Section 18 of the Crusades by George William Cox. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 10. The Latin Empire of Constantinople. Part 1. We have already marked the broad contrast between the character of the Greeks and that of the Latin and Teutonic nations of Western Europe, between the centralized and legal government of the one and the feudalism of the other, between the restlessness and ambition which in the West ran out into constant private war, and the habit of almost unreflecting obedience which had left the subjects of the Eastern Caesars unable to cope with rougher and ruder spirits except with the weapons supplied by cunning, fraud, and treachery. The Crusaders had come to a people which to a large extent might be described as in a state of decrepitude, but to a land, nevertheless, which was not less Christian than Italy or France, nay, which boasted churches of an antiquity more venerable than those of Milan, Ravenna, and Rome itself, to a land ruled by a system of law which has affected the legislation of every nation in Europe, to a land where Antony and Basil had reared the fabric of monachism, long before the days of the nursian benedict or the scottish columba to a land where the ritual of the church had taken root while christianity was in its cradle and had moulded the life the thoughts the very being of all its members this time-honoured civilization the western champions of the cross now fancied that they could crush or sweep away not one of them cared to think that he was dealing with christians or with the subjects of the ancient empire of Octavius or Constantine. For them, the land, not less than Syria and Egypt, was a part of heathendom. The people's savages to be brought under a yoke as heavy as that of the western serfs, their patriarchs, their bishops, their priests, and their monks were ministers of a false faith beyond the pale of charity or mercy. Wiser conquerors might have mingled with the people, and through intermarriage might have infused new vigour into the feeble mass. By Baldwin and his allies a rigid line was drawn, separating the present from the past. All dignities, offices, and lands were forfeited. All were shared exclusively among the conquerors. If they were still under an emperor, this emperor was not the autocrat who represented the majesty of Rome, but a mere feudal chief whose barons, although owing him homage, regarded themselves as practically his peers. In short, Baldwin and his comrades held that they might do at Constantinople what Godfrey and his allies had done in Palestine. The Code of Justinian gave place to the Assize of Jerusalem, and not a single Greek was permitted to take part in the administration of this law as it was with the secular order of things so it was with the spiritual the pope annulled without scruple the election of morosini by self-chosen or state-appointed canons but he did so only because his own authority was imperilled not at all because they were invading the jurisdiction of a patriarch whose throne was as ancient as that of innocent himself just as though they had been mere priests of baal or mohammedan imams the Greek clergy were all driven from their churches, and the people compelled to abandon their venerable liturgy for that of the Church of Rome. 
the emperor besought the pope to send out bands of priests as though for the conversion of a heathen country and to furnish dominican and cistercian monks for the purposes of reforming the stereotyped monachism of the east innocent was indeed full of exaltation his letters everywhere called on the faithful to succour the devoted missionaries who were preaching the gospel in the churches of constantinople and bringing home to the people the enormity of the heresy which denied the procession of the holy spirit from the son as well as from the father samaria he said had now returned to jerusalem god had transferred the empire of the greeks from the proud to the lowly from the superstitious to the religious from the schismatics to the catholics from the disobedient to the devoted servants of god he was impressed with the needfulness of sending young men from the schools of paris to strengthen themselves by the learning of the east philip augustus summoned young greeks to paris to receive instruction in the creed and ritual of the west both were playing with edged tools the pope and the king were both encouraging that intercourse of thought which was in the end to scatter to the winds the theory of the divine right of temporal despots and the infallibility of spiritual rulers the order of things so set up lasted a little longer than the latin principality of edessa it was essentially the piece of new cloth patched into the old garment the new wine poured into old leathern bottles only to burst them in its relation to the conquered race it had no more stability than the latin kingdom of jerusalem and in itself gave play to all the jealousies and quarrels which disgraced the feudal states of western europe the strife began before the landing of morosini while yet at rome he had been warned by the pope to have nothing to do with the schemes of venetian statesmen and to show no preference in his new home for men of venetian birth in venice he was compelled to abjure this promise to swear that venetians alone should be canons of sancta sophia and that so far as his power might extend he would strive to secure to a venetian the succession of his patriarchate nothing more would be needed beyond the rumours of these intrigues to rouse the suspicions of the french clergy and accordingly when morosini approached the shore not one obeyed his summons to the greeks the sleek beardless prelate and his coarse-looking and beardless priests were alike repulsive morosini was left almost alone he threatened with excommunication the clergy who would not admit his authority his menaces were treated with indifference or contempt the conquerors had indeed won for themselves a domain almost appalling in its extent and the sharing of the prize was soon followed by quarrelling of robbers over their booty not three months after the fall of constantinople the emperor led his forces against his vassal boniface of montferrat now the lord of thessalonica and the quarrel which was for the time made up was a significant token of the future history of his empire the time was come for carrying out the compact made before the conquest the aged dandolo became despot of romania and in his new sovereignty he died leaving to his countrymen the task of strengthening and extending their commercial empire 
by means of a chain of factories along the mainland and in the islands of the adriatic and the archipelago the task was too costly even for the resources of venice and the commercial republic was constrained to govern her possessions by that feudal system to which her constitution was utterly opposed for boniface the chivalrous rival of baldwin the lordship of crete had less attractions than the kingdom of the macedonian thessalonica but his wanderings did not end there thebes athens argos received his followers within their gates and the resistance of corinth and napoli was speedily overpowered the count of blois received the dukedom of nicaea the count of st paul the lordship of demetria a city about twenty miles to the south of adrianople while geoffrey of villardouin now marshal of romania as well as of champagne found a splendid home on the banks of the hebrus but the power of the old byzantine caesars was rather divided than crushed by the latin crusaders the wretched mortsuflas caught by the latins was hurled from the theodosian column but theodore lascaris the son-in-law of the alexius who dethroned isaac angelus established himself at nicaea first as despot then as emperor and in no long time had extended his power from the bosphorus to the banks of the meander other parts of the empire were likewise in revolt against the new caesars the governors of trebizond without changing their titles at first became sovereigns of their province and laid the foundations of their later empire a power not less formidable sprang up in Empirus, and had its centre within the walls of that city of durazzo which is especially associated with the history of bomond the conquerors were now to feel the effects of feudal subordination which was only another name for real anarchy the terror which they had inspired when their combined forces assailed the walls of constantinople was rapidly lessened when their dispersal betrayed their scanty powers of cohesion and when encounters in the field proved to be not always irresistible the storm burst on the latins from a quarter in which they had not looked for it the chief of the bulgarians john or Calojan, had at first greeted baldwin with the freedom of an equal as well as the heartiness of a friend but the retort that in the count of flanders he must recognize his emperor roused a resentment which led him to make common cause with the insurgent greeks waiting until baldwin's brother henry had with a large force crossed the hellespont he gave the signal for slaughter and the latins were forthwith cut down in the towns and villages of thrace baldwin at once sent a messenger to recall his brother but before he could return he set out with one hundred and forty knights and their retinues followed by the aged dondolo the force was perilously small but good order and discipline might have more than compensated this disadvantage all desultory action was forbidden the order was disregarded by the count of blois who was himself surprised and slain while in twelve o five the emperor baldwin became a prisoner the army was saved by the wisdom fortitude and heroism of villardouin whose masterly retreat is perhaps the only piece of true generalship in the whole military history of the crusades but the empire was already little more than the shadow of its former self a few fortresses on the shore of the propontis now formed with the capital 
the imperial domain of the Latins. Calojan was in the full tide of success. The Pope, for whom he had but a little while ago professed a deep devotion, entreated him to have mercy on his enemies and to release the emperor. This last request was, he said, beyond mortal power to grant. Baldwin had already died in prison. How? No one ever knew. Stories grew up which told of horrible barbarities practiced on the defenseless captive, and the common belief that great men cannot die brought forward, twenty years later in Flanders, a man who gave himself out as the true sovereign of the country, and won from thousands of faith not to be shaken by the discovery of his imposture and the ignominious death which followed it. The career of Alexander the Great and of Baldwin was cut short at the same early age. The reign of Baldwin's younger brother Henry was extended over ten years and closed when he was forty-four years old. It began in darkness and gloom. It was followed by a time of overwhelming disasters, but in itself it is the only period in the history of the Latin Empire on which our thoughts may rest with anything approaching to satisfaction. Twelve months had passed while he acted as regent for his brother, before he could be brought to believe that Baldwin no longer lived, and to assume the imperial title. Dandolo had already ended his long life at Constantinople. Boniface of Montferrat was soon to follow him, after his disputes with the emperor on points of homage had been settled by the marriage of Henry to his daughter Agnes. Boniface died in a war with Calojan, and with him his friend Geoffrey of Villardouin disappears from history. End of section 18